day 94 of Shape by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with Kitty Kresge, David Keefe, and Matthew Kresge. Uh, we continue uh, through uh, the drama of Scripture. Uh, we've come to Moses' instructions, and these are deep, heartfelt uh, pleas that he makes with a new generation of people who are about to go into the land that God has promised them. It will not be an easy task, but if their hearts and their minds are set on God, he will go before them. And uh, he will show himself as faithful, you know, to them as he showed himself to the past generation when he brought them out of Egypt, uh, you know, in order to possess the land. We come to an interesting part of the culture of Israel as we come, you know, to Deuteronomy, you know, chapter 15. Uh, we come, you know, to the seventh year. And uh, the seventh year, and especially the seventh, seventh of the seventh year, or Jubilee, is just this incredible sense of gracious do-over. For everyone who's found themselves enslaved or indebted, uh, who may have you know lost you know a lot of their wealth and, and things like that, that there's just kind of a time of forgiveness and restoration. Of course, that forgiveness and restoration is a a portrait of the canceling of the debts that we experience on, on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we come to Deuteronomy chapter 15. Uh, before we do, as always, we offer ourselves in the moment to the Lord, knowing that uh, our our biggest joy in Scripture is we encounter the presence of the living God, and our biggest hope in Scripture is that through His Spirit, He would take His Word, and He would transform us into the image of His Son. So before we read, uh, let, let's pray. Katie, you mind lifting us up? Father, we come before you um, just reminded that we um, desperately need you, and um, that we tend to make these just words on a page. Um, and so I just I come before you asking that you would um, remind our hearts of of what we are about to encounter. That it's your word, and that um, your word is powerful, and that you use your word um, to show us yourself and to change us. Um, thank you for the debt that you have canceled on our behalf um, because of the work of, of Christ Jesus. And um, as we read about um, the year of Jubilee, Lord, would you point us to um, all the ways that you've canceled our debts and that you've given us um, a new start and that we look forward to the day that all things are made new um, and we can celebrate that together. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Deuteronomy 15, at the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. This is how it is to be done. Every creditor shall cancel any loan they have made to a fellow Israelite. They shall not require any payment from anyone among their own people because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. You may require payment from a foreigner, but you must cancel any debt your fellow Israelite owes you. However, there need be no poor people among you, for in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. If you only fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I'm giving you today, for the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised, and you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. 
Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year of the year for canceling debts is near, so that you do not show ill will toward the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may then appeal to the Lord against you, and you will be found guilty of sin. Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God uh, will bless you in all of your works and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land, therefore I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. If any of your people, Hebrew men or women, uh, sell themselves to you and serve you six years, in the seventh year you must let them go free. And when you release them, do not send them away empty-handed. Supply them liberally from your flocks, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. But if your servant says to you, I do not want to leave you because he loves you and your family and is well off with you, then take an awl and push it through his earlobe into the door, and he will become your servant for life. Do the same for your female servant. Do not consider it a hardship to set your servant free because their service to you these six years has been worth twice as much as that of a hired hand. And the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. We see here, you know, the, a picture of the generosity of the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, especially the generosity uh, in canceling our debts and relieving, you know, releasing us you know, from being slaves to sin you know, through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and of course, the images are fantastic. You, you probably, you know, heard echoes of both Jesus and Paul in this, you know, in, the, in the quotations, whenever he says, you know, do not, uh, do not give begrudgingly. That's Paul saying, God loves a cheerful giver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, he's using, you know, the opposite, you know, sense. Uh, you can be begrudging on one hand, or you can be absolutely cheerful. Because we've done everything that you know, we've already read earlier in this week, we remember that our wealth is a gift from God. It's not our ingenuity, and it's not our giftedness, and it's not you know, uh, our, you know, our abilities you know, that has given us wealth. It's God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. And even if you want to go back to your gifts and your ingenuity and uh, even the you know, great circumstances you know, that you've experienced, every one of those are gifted to you from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so because you've so richly uh, been blessed, you are to be a blessing, which is the heart of the Abrahamic covenant. Mm-hmm. And, of course, what a wonderful portrait. Uh, you know, as God, as Israel is called to be a light to the nations, what a wonderful portrait of grace and goodness, you know, that's experienced here. It seems very countercultural. Um, like, like there wouldn't be any nation in the surrounding areas that would do anything like this. It seems very out of the ordinary. So, yes, I feel like that would. I mean, um, the surrounding nations would see that, and and definitely be intrigued by why in the world they're canceling such debts every seven years. Um, I have something that's not that deep, but <laughs> so the whole, um, towards the end of what you read, um, when the slave would, the servant would want to stay, um, and they would take an all and push it through his earlobe into the door. Is that just like a piercing? Is that like an ear piercing that would show that they're, I mean, what is, can y'all No, I, what you did is you, you left you the, left them by the you, door. you left the all there for the rest of their life. They could not leave. No, it, yeah, it was a piercing or a mark, you okay. know, that the, uh, both of uh, the fact that they, they were 
given themselves as servants, but also of the great love for the one that they served. Hmm. So we should all have our ears pierced uh, as servants of the Lord. I love verse 4. And only one of us here dies. Good job, Kate. Yeah. Verse 4 says, however, there need be no poor people among you, for in the land your Lord you're giving you, is, um, giving you to possess as an inheritance, he will richly bless you. You know, it makes me think of kind of fast forwarding to the early church in the book of Acts when uh, they began right. to realize, you know, some of these, Katie's rolling her eyes. I'm rolling my eyes because I yeah. went to Acts 2 while we were it's reading. Acts 4. Yeah, yeah so that's yeah. Uh, stealing yeah. my idea, but it's fine. But, it. you know, this, this whole, this idea of, beginning to see this realized in the church no. as we live amongst one another and it's a reminder to us that like we're not indebted to one another. we serve one god we're, we're indebted to him you know mm-hmm. not to one another and you begin to see because we have freely given ourselves to the lord and, and all things are his we can generously you know meet the needs of others and, and even just the words of jesus you know where he begins to to kind of talk about, you know, whatever you do to the least of these, you've done to me. You know, and, and how many times do we, I, I mean, I read this and, and I think, man, gr- great idea mm-hmm. and great ideal. But practically, I begin to see my, my possessions no. have a greater grip on me than I actually believe they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there, and if there is anything that, uh, you know, we're deeply in danger of, it is the subtlety of materialism. Mm-hmm. And how much we we love our stuff and we love stuff that we don't even have and we set our affections on you know how the next thing that we possess will make our lives so much richer so Mm -hmm. much deeper so much uh, more meaningful yeah so much easier and and of course you know the the quotation you know in 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 acts is there was not a needy person among Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. which means finally this has been realized it was never realized in the nation of israel but through the power of the holy spirit working through the church and the affections people had for God and each other for a moment, for about 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, God's ideal was reached in the church mm-hmm. uh, you know, through, the, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you kind of have to like the, you know, the counter distinction there. There need be no needy people among you. There will always be yeah, you right. know, poor people among you. And, of course, that's, that's a quote from Jesus whenever, you know, um, Judas is questioning him about, um, you know, the extravagance of the gift of the lady, you know, breaking this, uh, you know, case of pure nard, which is a high-end perfume, mm-hmm. and, and pouring it on Jesus' feet. And he said that money could have been taken and given to the poor. And his response back, you know, to J- Judas is more than, you know, just, a, a, you know, it's, it's no big deal. He said, you've had every opportunity for all of your life mm-hmm. to respond to the poor and the very fact that the poor are here means that we haven't followed the heart of god mm-hmm. you know, the way we should like in in verse nine after after he's you know called them to not be tight-fisted to not be hard-hearted but rather be open-handed and, and freely lending whatever they need be careful not to harbor this wicked thought and the wicked thought would be like oh the seventh year's coming up like if I lend them money now, like they're not going to have time to pay me back, and I'm going to have to forgive them, and that it's going to be at, at my expense, right? Mm-hmm. And and how often do we kind of have, um, like, not that we're anticipating the seventh year coming because we don't do that, because, but it's like, oh man, if if I give them, I'm not going to see this money again, or they're just going to waste it, or they're going to spend it on this yeah. or that. But rather, no, we've, yeah, you know, I'll be with wisdom, but we've been called to not be hard-hearted, not yeah. be tight-fisted. 
and to be open-handed and freely giving them what they need because don't, that's what the Lord's done do for it us. grudgingly. Yeah. In any of our obedience to the Lord, but it's especially when it comes to money that we get a little a little stingy, you know, when we work with it for you know, most people, you know, freedom in Christ means two things. Yeah, yeah, I can drink beer now and I don't have to tithe. You know, and that's kind of you know what it boils down to and it's not either either one of either one of those <laughs> actually. And we should probably erase that from the podcast. But anyway, <laughs> uh, this is we go. And, and we ought to you know, put this whole thing in context. And the one thing that keeps us from being generous to the poor is what we've read about earlier in the week, right. where we're full of pride with our possessions, exactly. like we uh, we earn them for ourselves. And so we we uh, we elevate ourselves, and we look down on others and we judge others you know especially those who are poor and don't have what we pour in this they they're getting what they deserve and we have this because we deserve that and as people of grace we realize it's not because of our righteousness and integrity that we've had that and that none if any of us got what we deserved we would be completely wasted away god is is gracious to us and the reflection that we've understood his grace is how gracious we are in return you know to others mm-hmm. even the foreigner living in your land god loves them mm-hmm. and uh you know you you should you should receive them it's not an us and them you know kind of thing the the, the measure of grace here is, is pretty incredible all the way through mm-hmm. and i think the concept of work is an interesting topic because because god's not against working he's not against effort in fact like paul talks about um, how important it is um, in his letter to the Thessalonians um, about like don't be idle don't um, like you need to we all need to be working um, to to support ourselves but it's very easy to start becoming dependent on your work and and um, that your work is the reason you have these things um, but working hard um, with the strength that he provides but also remembering where our strength comes from, remembering where these things, these gifts come from, um, and that he is the source of all good things. So there's a tension there um, that he's he's not against work. He's actually for he's it. He's called us to work. Yeah, he's yeah. mandated it in, in the garden. Um, <laughs> now Paul's the one making all the noise. <laughs> Technology. That um, it's, yeah, it's important for us to hold those intention and to remember that, um, that as we work, he is the one who provides um, all of the resources that we need. Yeah. And well, obviously, we were, we're called to uh, you know cultivate the resources you know at our disposal. Uh, and, and of course, where it goes wrong is when they uh, when we call them our resources rather than God's mm-hmm. resources, and when we hoard them for our own good rather than stewarding them for you know for the you know for the you know for the you know for the good of others. Yeah. So work is part of the creation mandate uh, to do what you do, everything you do, whatever your hand finds to do, uh, you know, for the glory of the Lord, for as the Lord Christ you are serving, and, and not yourself or, or the people around you. And, and, of course, since it's the Lord Christ you are serving, then it's the Lord Christ that you honor in the way that you use uh, what you, you gain from your work. And and mostly we, we consume it on ourselves. We just elevate you know our 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 lifestyles Mm -hmm. you know one of the things i I love about a passage like this is a lot of times it's easy to just look at and think like god's just concerned with outward you know they just need to give to the poor they need to to do these things and yet that 
that verse that David read where it, it says, don't harbor this wicked thought also reminds us, you know, that part of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, you know, mind and strength is it goes beyond just what we do or how we give things away, you know, but it, God's saying even that, that wicked thought that you're harboring, if a complaint goes out against you, you'll be found guilty of sin. The Lord knows our hearts. He knows our minds. You know, he knows our thoughts. It's mm-hmm. not, he doesn't just measure us by, you know, our, our actions. actions, but that he, he sees the deepest parts of us yeah. as well. And, and of course, we could add to that, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength, and your stuff. Mm-hmm. Father, thank you for the way that you've enriched us. And uh, may we, Father, capture a vision of your heart and the way we use our wealth. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.